it was just such an instant chemistry and to see my older two just mesh and bond and it just felt like we were a solid unit like there was it was just incredible how god made that visit so apparent and clear that we all were meant to be together it's something i'll never forget it was so precious the workers they said they saw it and they knew instantly that we were the family Welcome everyone to Bringing Kids Home, a TBHC foster care and adoption production. I'm Jennifer Thomas, TBHC's Marketing Director. We are excited you are joining us today to hear stories of foster care and adoption and how any one of us, including you, can make a difference in a child's life. Stick around and hear how stories of faith and family help bring kids home. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Curry, President of TBHC Foster Care and Adoption. I'm so glad you're with us. My guest today is Kristen Morgan. She is one of TBHC's board members. Kristen grew up outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Her family has lived in the DFW area for about 15 years. She currently works for the SBTC as a special needs consultant. Kristen and her husband, Carl, have been married for almost 20 years. Their household grew exponentially overnight in 2016 when they welcomed five children into their family of four. That's right, she and Carl have seven children all together. Today, Kristen, along with everything else she does, is homeschooling six of her kids while the oldest is in college. Time flies, doesn't it? Uh, Kristen's story is spirit-led and a wonderful, brave step of faith in obeying the Lord's call. She joins us today wanting to support children in foster care and encourage others to foster or adopt through education. Let's hear her story together and be inspired to obey God's leading. Uh, Kristen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Jason. I'm excited to be here. Well, I have so many questions uh, after getting to watch your story and hear just our relationship over the past couple of years. Uh, so this is going to be really great today. I want to uh, start off by asking you a little bit about homeschooling. You know, homeschooling six kids is pretty easy. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> uh, all kidding aside, um, you know, you're very open uh, about being a mom, a wife, and a homeschool teacher. But especially in today's culture, um, when people look at that, sometimes they think of that as an inferior role for anyone. Uh, what would you say to someone who may think your talents would be better used in a full-time career? Um, well, Jason, I have had that opportunity and I have done that for several years, but uh, we felt that it was very important to focus on our children. And so to take the time to pour more into them and to make sure that they are growing spiritually as well and connect them closer to Christ, uh, that family time is, is very valuable and it's short-lived um, for all the everyday crazy things that we do in life. So um, of course you have to think about finances and that was a big um, hurdle that we had to come to grips with, but we just decided to step out on faith and put our trust in God and prayed about it and felt that that was the right thing to do. And God has provided in ways that we would have never thought um, during this process. And so I feel as though being able to have the time to be with my babies, care for them, teach them, and love them is time that I will never be able to get back 
um, later on. I, you know, you could have regrets in life, but I don't have any um, being able to have the opportunity to basically be a mom and try to do the best I can with all of them because uh, there's still that's not enough hours in a day for all the needs that they have. So if I was working full time, I just feel like they would be neglected. And that is not why I feel God put these children in our lives. And so, you know, later on in life, I can always go back, dust off my degree and, and go head back into the workforce. But right now, uh, we feel that this quality time with family and enriching our kids is more important. That's really encouraging. And I hope hope people hear that uh, with what obviously is love for your, your family and hope for their future and investment. Plus, it gives you all the time to be a board member for TBHC. Of course, yes. I get to do my uh, passion and, and love. And so um, that's just to me the plus side of it that God has put in my life. You know, I don't know if I would have been able to do that if I was working and trying to manage my, my family, but I do have the time to pour more into the passions and loves, and that is foster and adoption. Well, that means so much to us. Thank you. Well, let me go ahead and get into your story. How about you tell us your bringing kids home story? Well, it started um, after our firstborn. He was about a year and a half and uh, we were pregnant with our second and I had a miscarriage. Um, how devastated, of course, we were. We decided at that time, um, because our firstborn was premature and had a lot of health conditions and was in the hospital for months um, before we can actually bring him home, we decided that, well, maybe God had a different plan for us. And there are so many children out there. So we decided that point in time when he was a year and a half that it's okay, we can get through this. We have God there with us, but we will adopt. There are tons of kids out there that need a home and we feel like we could give them that loving home. And so time had went on and then we eventually um, got pregnant again and moved to Texas. And then we decided that, okay, while we were getting acclimated to the area, this is the time, you know, we want to get started again. And so in 2011, we decided to get connected with an agency and start the process and haven't looked back. And so we just basically thought, well, okay, I'll tell you this, because this is what my, my husband thinks is funny. When we first started the process, I thought, okay, I just want to save all the children. And I literally said, I'm going to save all the children and pimp out a 12-passenger van and just bring them all home. And so who would have thunk, years later, I actually have a 12-passenger van. It's not tricked out yet, <laughs> but I, I look forward to that. But we actually have a 12-passenger van um, to get all nine of us around. And so it's just so funny how, how things played out. Um, we had taken several children in our home over the year through foster placements and respite placements, um, just trying to, again, just pour onto them, let them know that Jesus loves them, we love them and care for them. And um, eventually we felt uh, called, um, well, it's a funny story, I guess. I'm not on social media a lot, However, a friend of ours um, who was a realtor that helped us out. And then we became friends knowing that we shared this passion for foster adoption, which you sometimes don't meet a lot of people. And so when you find out somebody has the same passion and love as you, of course, you kind of start to build that friendship. And so she had sold our home and helped us buy a new one. And then later, uh, about a year or so later, she 
reached out on social media with a Wednesday's child story. She knew that we were trying to find a, a match and trying to adopt kids. And at the time, um, my husband said we could just get one girl. And I was like, well, she'll need like a sister because we had two boys and we could have two girls. And I was like, we should get two. And so I convinced him for two. He's like, okay, I guess we can get two. And so, you know, we're just thinking that's what we're going to do. Of course, we have our plan that we think we're going to do. But she reached out on social media with this story. And so it's late and I'm not on it a lot, but um, we had went to the fair that day. I pop on at night and everybody else asleep and I'm just looking through and saw this post. And it was a Wednesday's child story of this sibling group of five. So I immediately felt so connected to their story. There was a certain things that stood out in that story that just made me feel like this is, these are the kids. Now, I had never imagined that there would be five kids I was going to adopt, but it was just something about the spirit moving me that I instantly woke my husband up, and I just knew he was going to think I was crazy, because again, we were only focusing on trying to get two girls, and I woke him up, had him watch it, and he was in instantly. I mean, that's just how you know God is is sending you a message and we got it loud and clear. There was never a doubt. There was never any hesitation. I was all in as soon as I saw it. He was all in. We immediately got up and it's like one something in the morning. We're on the internet trying to, to let our caseworker know, trying to find out from the CPS to put in for these kids. And uh, we were just, just felt so moved. And, and you know, when you feel the spirit moving you, um, you just feel compelled to listen. And so that, that's how we felt. And so through the journey, we had never really felt that strong connection to a set or group of kids before or, or any child. And so it just felt more special in a way than any other placement um, we had had. And uh, again, we have had several loved on them, um, but they were just foster placements or respite placements at that time. And so just, hearing their story and feeling that connection, it really just moved us to proceed forward with trying to find that group and, and find out more and see if we could be a match. Wow. I mean, just up in the middle of the night, waking your husband up. <laughs> yes. And like, I thought he was going to think I had lost my mind because it was five kiddos and, and the ages were two to, I think, nine at that time. And so we're talking about little people. And, and so it wasn't like a bunch of older ones because we had co contemplated having older placements, um, you know, and things like that, trying to figure out what would be the best match for our family. But we did uh, take the time to actually, I guess, pray more and uh, was very diligent about that, about what God wanted us to do. And we definitely feel like he answered our prayers. Absolutely. Um, so that struggle of trying to figure out what's best for the family and build your family and really that journey of discovering, okay, well, we're not in charge of really establishing what this family is going to look like. God is, uh, I guess, what would you tell someone who's walking that right now, trying to pray through the options that are available? I mean, there's a lot of options of choosing gender and age, uh, in adoption specifically, what would you tell someone who's trying to walk through that right now? I would think that you would first have to just kind of almost throw everything out the door about what you want, basically, because it just is not going to probably go that way. Um, we just feel like 
when God calls you to do something, he's going to, it may not have you equipped, but you will get that child and you will definitely know. And it won't be probably the whole thing that you planned out, a girl, the age or a boy, this age, or, um, you know, even a certain race, it just may not play out that way. And so we had to learn the hard way and through several different placements, thinking, oh, okay, this is this, and no, this works for us and this doesn't, you know, and basically you just have to be open because whatever it is, God's going to take care of it and provide, and he will give you the help that you need to get through. But you have to really just open your heart and open your mind to whatever child God has for you. And just kind of just not just let those barriers and perimeters that you set yourself block anything from happening and miss that blessing of that child that God has for you. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, you've, you've gotten them into your home. Um, you know, it was immediately an adoption. Ha ha. It, nothing's ever like that. Kind of talk to us a little bit about that. Okay. So like I said, we actually got up and went to the internet trying to put in for the kiddos. Okay. So at that time it was um, late September, early October. And so of 2016. And so we go through and then um, we're just waiting to hear back. We don't hear anything. And so we're still just putting in for other placements and we're not matched. And for whatever reason, you know, we either don't hear anything back or, um, you know, just we're not the right match or things like that. And so we're like, okay, we're still praying. And so then we found out that the sibling group, somebody else um, was chosen for them. I literally just broke down and cried so hard and to my husband's arms just saying, I really felt like those were our kids. Like I felt so strong. And he said, you know what? Maybe God just used their story to open our hearts to a large sibling group that we would have never thought about. And so I, you know, wiped myself and got myself together, all snotted up and <laughs> got myself cleaned up. But, um, I felt like God gave him the right words to say at that time because I was truly hurt um, because I really kind of just bonded over that video, which I can tell you, I probably watched it like a hundred times over and over, just thinking about those kids and that I could be their mom and, and, and have them and, and love on them. Um, but from that time, once we heard that they were matched with someone else, we just kept pursuing large sibling groups because we felt Surely God must want us to go that way because we never thought about it, but we definitely felt like the spirit pulling us that way. So it wasn't until March of 2017, I was doing our Wednesday night Bible study with kids at church, got a call and I get calls because I was on staff at the time. And so I answer because I don't always know the number and it was their caseworker. And she said, Hey, um, I know it's been a while, but I don't know if you know about this sibling group. And I said, wait, are you talking about that sibling group of five? Like, and I named all of their names. She's like, yeah, I'm talking about them. I'm their caseworker. And I just wasn't sure if y'all were still interested um, because we're starting that process. And I was in shock. I said, I'm sorry, hold on. Let me just tell you how long I've been hard. I prayed. I said, because I thought they were gone and I continued to pray for them. 
even though they wasn't with us, I prayed that they were in the right home. And I just kept praying for them as we still were seeking other kids. And to just know that, I guess it just took that time from that time and around Thanksgiving time till March when we got that call that God knew we totally trusted him. We trusted him and we knew that he would have those, any kid for us. And we were focused on that large sibling group. Have we not maybe, and just like totally stopped and, and focused, not focused on large sibling groups and went back to what we thought was the right thing. I don't know where we would be right now, but to know that God knew we were all in and we trusted him that those kids came around and they weren't ever gone. It was misinformation. And, you know, we went through the process and, and we were matched. We, we got to meet them for a meet and greet. And then they were actually, there was a couple that met them the weekend before. And like, I instantly was like all kinds of like, oh no, who saw my babies? Who was visiting with my babies? And how did that go? Like, I was so taken aback that I kind of like shut down a little bit. My husband's not a talker. I'm a talker. But as we were waiting for them to arrive, um, he kept talking to the casa worker and the lawyer about things. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, no, there's another family we're up against. I thought maybe, you know, it was just us. And it wasn't. And I just had to pray and kind of make sure I just said the right things because I was like, oh, no, I don't want them to get the kids. So, you know, now I'm competitive and I'm like, I want to get these kids. They're mine. And so anyway, they get there and with the, the CPS worker and it was just such an instant chemistry. And to see my older two just mesh and bond and it just felt like we were a solid unit. Like there was it was just incredible how God made that visit so apparent and clear that we all were meant to be together. And um, it's something I'll never forget. It was so precious. And um, the workers, they said they saw it and they knew instantly that we were the family. And so uh, that started just the process and we had to, you know, wait for things to play out. Um, we have large sibling groups you, and we already had our two older ones you have to be, you know, licensed. And at the time, uh, group home licensing wasn't available anymore like it had been in the past. Uh, so we had to actually get court permission. So it took a little bit before we could finally have them placed with us and get those permissions to expedite things, um, so to say, because so we would just kind of just see them occasionally until we were able to actually get placement. And so that was kind of hard. I think for them having to go back, it was hard for us and not being able to have them just yet. But just knowing that God had it, was working it out. And one day it would be over and they would be ours forever. Um, and so that all took some time. But through that change and transition, I think it worked out well for all of us because we were able to slowly transition into this new normal <laughs> of, of a seven kid family. And so I think it got a chance for us to slowly kind of get to know each other and grow um, into something super special today. Well, I love that. Um, I'm just blown away by just all the details that go into God making a family. And nobody really exactly. thinks about all the details that have to go into place. And he's working on us. I know that that's always the case. He's, he's making us more like him. Right. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about public adoption. You very much had a public adoption. I, I, I 
reminiscent on my adoption and it felt a little public, but I had like family and most immediate friends show up to the courthouse. And that was about it. Um, you had DFW watching uh, your adoption in a figurative way, but kind of talk to us a little bit about that. What has been some of the, the good things and some of the struggles that have had to do with that? Um, some of the good things is that it lets people, I guess, see that, you know, you can take on a sibling group and you can be okay and you have support. And so I think um, it gives that kind of reassurance. Those are some of the hardest placements as large sibling groups and trying to keep them together. And we feel like um, definitely so blessed to be able to keep them together and let them grow up with each other. And that is so important so that they don't feel like they don't have family. They, they do, um, even though they have us, but they have each other as well. And so I feel like that's very important. Um, and, but as far as some of the struggles, um, you know, you, they are aware, like, you know, family members may see them and things like that if they're in the area. So that can be a part of that struggle and trying to make sure there's, there's boundaries and, and keeping things sort of private. But when you're out there, like you said, being shown the DFW, you know, um, but again, just trusting that God will provide and, and protect things. Hi, I'm Jamie Hogan, Executive Program Administrator at TBHC Foster Care and Adoption Services. Did you know there's over 7,000 children waiting for adoption today? Did you also know that Texas has 30,000 children entering foster care every year? At TBHC, our hope is to provide the highest quality of care for kids who are coming from really hard places. We work to make sure that children in our care have a safe and loving home and that their dreams have no limits. What if you could be a part of making those dreams possible? I'd like to invite you to join the thousands of people who help TBHC meet the needs of children by going online to tbhc.org and clicking the donate button. Our ministry depends on supporters like you to help bring kids home. On our website, you can also find out more information about our agency, inspiring stories, and ways to pray for TBHC kids. To find out how you can make an impact on children in foster care, check us out at tbhc.org. Excited for people to see what was happening and that it could be for them too. And I think it, it just, again, had to be not us, more of them uh, seeing and, and letting God show people what you can do. Definitely a servant's heart with that. Letting it be a testimony instead of this wonderful thing just for your family. You know, hey, let's share it with everybody. Um, I guess something important to point out is this is a pretty unique situation. Most adoptions are not as big and fanfare as your own. Uh, most of them are very intimate and just private. So um, most families won't face the kind of struggles that you face, but they will face some of the relational things where uh, some family could be around the corner or biological family is uh, trying to find out where their kids are and stuff. It's not something to be afraid of. Is That's what I'm hearing from you. Right. I, I think you shouldn't be afraid. I think that you just know and trust and, and that, you know, things will be okay. Um, I mean, because they can grow up later and, and want to find out anyway. And sometimes it's, it could be healthy to have an open adoption if that's what people choose and, and have that connection. Um, I have several friends that have done that and they have great relationships with those parents and um, just being able to 
let them see, I guess, and give that reassurance that that parent made the right decision. Because ultimately, you want to make sure that parents feel um, okay, usually, and okay to release their kiddos. And usually, I think if they know they're in a safe place, they're being taken care of, they'll probably start easing back anyway. They'll just maybe be apprehensive at first because they just want to know that they made the right choice. And I know that I can't imagine how hard that could be for them. Um, and so I, I haven't obviously not been put in that situation, but just knowing that that could be a struggle too on their end, but just knowing that they have somebody there that's, that's taking um, their child and, and providing for them in a safe manner and that, that gives that reassurance and hope that they're, they made the right decision and, and God again praying about it and, and making sure things are okay. So I think both ways um, are beneficial depending on the situation and either for the child, the parents, or even the adoptive or foster parents as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's kind of jump into today. I mean, goodness, you have, you have six kids at home. <laughs> it's puppies and rainbows all the time, right? Yeah, and the oldest one's still home too, even though he's in college, it's online. So he's here. <laughs> <laughs> so they're all around you. Can't escape anywhere. They are. Well, uh, kind of talk to us a little bit about that. What is home like right now? Uh, and like I, I jokingly said, puppies and rainbows, but there is a lot of joy, I know. But there's a lot of, it, it's, it's chaos too, because it's kids. Kind of tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I would say it's probably, it seems like a lot more chaos sometimes than others. Um, I think that God prepared me with my um, profession, which was in special education, a teacher, and so, um, and a behavior teacher as well. So all the things like you were asking earlier about, you know, working in the full-time job, well, God gave me uh, the chance to go to school and, and take that as my degree and my profession that I did it for several years. However, I get to do all of those things at home. So it's kind of like, I'm still using what God gave me and I get to do that with my kids. So I am really probably much the disciplinarian more than my husband, <laughs> just because I guess that's just like my behavior teacher comes out and, and my teachers and, and things I get to use all of those skill sets at home. And so uh, just kind of, trying to set those boundaries and, and try to set schedules because a lot of kids work good with schedules. And so kind of getting a routine. Um, and so things happen and, and things change, but I think that things go best and not as chaotic if we just kind of stick to a more of a routine or kind of schedule type thing. Of course, there's always free time and, and play time. And they like to be kids. They like to be outside. They want to run around. They want to play. But, you know, they're, they're never alone. Like there's always somebody to play with. So I feel like that that kind of works out. You know, they don't have to feel alone. And if you get along better with this one, and that's more your best friend than this one. I mean, you've got plenty of people around here to choose. <laughs> and it may just go with the wind one day, and then the next it might be somebody else. But there's plenty of them to choose. And I think that it works well as far as building social skills and, and gives them different, so many different people to interact with and figure out how to navigate that I think that'll help them uh, in, in their future and with their job and, and things like that, learning how to get along with others who may not be the same as them because none of them are like, none of them. <laughs> yep, I mean, I, I completely understand, that's awesome. In your daily life, there's a lot of things that a lot of families would say, well, is this normal? For example, if you're an adoptive parent, uh, they're facing behaviors and interactions with their kids that 
make them wonder, is this because they're adopted or is this just because they're a child? Yeah, okay, having to see both sides of it uh, with the bio and the adopted, um, all kids are different. None of our kids are the same, including our biological. And I could go through the same thing with any of them. And it's like, you know, and I could talk about something and tell somebody not to do it. And then somebody else turns around and does exactly what I just said not to do. So for me, most of it is just kids. These are just kids being kids. And, you know, so it's just, you know, you just have to be patient and just basically just remind yourself that all kids are different. Um, you have to try different approaches and styles. They're, you're not going to be able to cookie cut it and just try this one particular thing and we think it's going to work across the board. It just kind of doesn't work that way. I have different ways of dealing with all seven of them. And, you know, and it, sometimes it just depends, you know, whether how bad I guess it could be or maybe just what's going on at that time. And it may be a different approach. And so I think that there's going to be some underlying things, but I think for the most part, if you just know that kids are just going to be kids and do kid things and be more understanding of that, you'll be able to navigate through whether um, it's an older kid, younger kid, a foster kid, adoptive kid, bio kid. It's kind of just the same thing. You kind of just have to be a, a parent and just provide for the kids and try to teach them. Um, maybe explain them more of why you're doing something and so they understand why you're coming, maybe, you know, there's a consequence for this action and kind of explaining that process uh, because I have to do that a lot. I mean, I'd say you can't just go out in the world and do that. That's not okay. And, or, you know, hey, I want you to get a job one day because can't have all seven of you guys at home. So this is what you're going to be expected. Your boss is going to expect you to be on time, expect you to, you know, look nice and be well-groomed when you're going over, you know, different toileting things and, and stuff like that and how to manage and care for yourself. So I think that every opportunity could be a learning opportunity, um, but they're not going to be the same. And just, I have to remind myself all the time, they're just kids. They're just little people. Yep. We, we all act like kids. Yeah. Hide it a little better. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So let me ask you um, about community. Community is one of those things that, you know, here, here we're sitting here and talking about the story. And to some degree we could say, Oh, this is all Kristen. This is just Kristen and Carl making a difference in kids' lives, but it's bigger than just, you two. Um, there's a community that surrounds you and helps you. Kind of talk to us a little bit about your community. How did they come on board and help you during maybe some of the most um, difficult seasons of this process? Um, I find that it, 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 in order for you to manage in your community, you need to kind of uh, connect with different groups. Um, of course, you know, if you find a good foster adoption group, that is great. If you have a kiddo that has some special needs, finding that special needs uh, group of parents that you can talk to and relate to. I think finding those different groups and being able to connect, you're going to have to maybe put yourself out there a little more than normal. I'm more of an introvert, but I had to actually open myself up to connect with these other people and have that be my support team and be able to come to them, confide in them, and they understand the, the struggles or worries or fears and things like that, that I can kind of be open and, and share with them, knowing that there's no judgment or anything. And there's somebody that's going to listen to me and support me and actually have some valuable feedback. Uh, the church community overwhelmingly is, is, is definitely a great plus and benefit being able to plug them in with other kids and um, 
being able to have the church family just take our family in and, and love on you. It, it's just, that's something that you really need. Of course, um, with us being transplanted from Pennsylvania, we don't have a lot of family here. So we do rely a lot heavily more on our community to help us um, throughout that process. And so I found a lot of help in different areas and groups, um, our neighbors as well, you know, understanding and, and just being able to, um, I mean, because we, wherever we go, there's usually some other kids around. So we have plenty of kids for the neighbor. They have like one kid. Well, guess what? We have like tons of options for you to play with over at our house. And so I think that once you kind of just put yourself out a little more, be willing to find other groups and, and social connections to be a part of, it'll kind of give you a well-balanced um, community support. Yeah, I think that's important. Uh, thank you for that reminder of what's available. Uh, church especially, um, making sure that we connect there. Talking about church, it's a heavy area that needs educating on how to help families. And you had a, a really special role uh, at your last church and helping them kind of walk this journey of understanding adoption and foster care and became a, a board member. Uh, I kind of like to get you to share a little bit about how you became a board member and why you were excited to do it. Uh, foster adoption, like I said, back when our, our oldest, who's now 18, going on 19, when he was one and a half, we just knew that was what we felt like we were going to do and wanted to do. And so we've always just knew there's so many kids, you know, it's really heartbreaking to realize that. And so being able to um, connect with the church and try to connect with other people to share that same passion and love, because everybody doesn't have the same passion and love. But to me, that goes beyond. This isn't just a hobby. You know, these are children who don't have a home. You know, this is more of a serious crisis. And so to be able to let people understand and see that and, and let them see there's different ways that they can help. Um, if, if you feel like, you know, maybe you can just only do respite or maybe you can just do foster and adoption or maybe just foster or maybe just adoption and, you know, the different forms of it. Um, because there's the private, there's public. Um, and then, you know, just being able to share that passion, let people see the vision and see how they can help and be supportive, whether it's a financial contribution, um, whether it's providing respite nights for foster and adoption parents, providing meals, uh, providing uh, maybe having a closet of different beds and clothes or toys or just things available. Um, the church is such a vital part of this. And, you know, being able to do that at our church was very exciting. Um, holding many foster adoption conferences to bring that awareness, uh, you know, it's definitely important to let the church members see there is a need. Here are some good Christian people who don't actually get exposed to it. So getting it out there and exposed as much as possible is, is vital. And so through that process and being able to just promote it and educate others about it. I think, you know, we would get each year more people actually wanting to be a part of it and, and more curious and wanting to sit in for those first sessions and find out more about what foster adoption looks like. And I just will always encourage people pray about it. You know, there's so many different things that you can do and how you can be a part of it. You have to pray about it. God will show you the way and lead your heart to where it needs to be for you to be able to help these children. So like I said, being able to have that opportunity to share the love and passion with the church and the church family and being presented with the opportunity to be a part of the board was just 
something that I didn't even think was going to, wasn't on my radar. I, I didn't even know. And so I was so excited about it because I felt like everything was coming into full circle. I'm already passionate and love it. I've already loved advocating for it and working and trying to take, um, bring others to know about it in my church. And so to be able to do that with this um, Christian uh, agency who's promoting and educating and, and taking care of children, um, you know, the home, like it was just to me, like this is the perfect opportunity to be able to be a part of something so much bigger than what I was doing and be able to take it kind of to that next level. Yeah, that's that's great. And I forget that you were our contact at your old church uh, as we were doing recruitment. So you had a, a longer relationship with us than just becoming a board member. Some people discover us by becoming a board member. So you had a, a little advantage on most people. So that was really special. Yeah, I was so excited to, to be able to have that opportunity for, I guess it was maybe about four or five years, I think. Um, to be able to connect and, and that you were, you're, the, the home was so supportive and so willing to answer questions, come out and be a part of stuff, give information. Um, because even though there's this one snippet of time where we have this mini conference, you know, it's going to be a whole nother year again before, you know, we do it again. Well, being able to have that information, have those contacts for the families that come who say, oh, I didn't get a chance, to, I wasn't there that Sunday, or I missed it, or I didn't get a chance to stop by the table. You know, being able to know that they can connect the face and with the materials and be a resource for them is, is huge. You know, I, I was able to connect, you know, people uh, that way throughout the year until we would meet again. And so, you know, just uh, the support and, and how much dedication uh, Texas Baptist Home has for the children and being willing to go into these churches and take that time and, and spend all this effort to make this awareness and educate people is, is huge and um, is such a blessing. Thank you. I, I, and you've probably heard me say this before, but we want our families to come out of the pews. Uh, we don't, we don't want them off the street. We want them out of the pews because we want our kids to hear the message of hope that only Christ gives. And they're going to hear that if they're coming from the pews and going back to church. So is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to make sure you got a chance to share today? Um, I guess I just want people to know, I mean, raising kids in general, it's not like it's just easy and, 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 and always fun. And like you said, rainbows are puppies. But, you know, it's so rewarding, especially being able to pour into them. And to me, the most important thing is pouring God into them and making sure spiritually connected. I can take away all that other stuff, but what is first is God first. And being able to do Bible studies with them, let them see me doing my Bible studies. You know, there's that visual presentation of me being a, a godly example for them and for them to be able to want to do it. Hearing them sing their praise and worship songs, you know, listening in the car, like just thoughts doing our dances, whatever it is, being able to see that, you know, God is using us to pour into our kids and have these conversations um, is something we may not have been able to do if we didn't have these, these five. And so being able to give them that solid uh, Christ foundation is so vital and important at this young age and that we hope and pray will carry them forward into adulthood. And so, you know, it, to me, I have to sometimes reevaluate myself. I have seven kids and, and I may want them to do this, this, and this. But at the end of the day, my priority is to make sure that they know Jesus Christ, that he loves them and that he's there for them. 
And so I feel like I have to make sure I don't let the other things of life get in the way of the focus that God has put um, these children in our, our lives for a reason. And we are to bear the fruit and we are to bear, you know, make sure I feel like, you know, we're raising warriors for the kingdom. And that's the most priority is, is whether they can, you know, do their schoolwork or whether they listen all the time. At the end of the day, it's raising warriors for the kingdom and not being able to have those five children added to our family and being able to, to pour into them and to love them. I just couldn't imagine not, not have an opportunity. Um, I always say, you know, if, if something came along, I probably would do it again. Even though I know there's like different parameters because there's different amounts of kids you can have in your home, but I strongly would still open my doors any day to help any child. So powerful. Warriors for the kingdom. I love it. Amazing. Well, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jason. I, I really appreciate the opportunity and the time um, to hopefully encourage and inspire others to trust and put their faith in God and open their hearts to these children. Thank you. If you would like to get in touch with today's guest or any of our previous guests, you can contact us through email podcast at tbhc.org. That's podcast at tbhc.org. Leave us a comment, recommend a guest to our show, and give us a five-star review. And don't forget to subscribe. To everyone listening, thanks for helping bring kids home. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to check out our website, tbhc.org, and discover how you can participate in bringing kids home.